a lot of ideas. So let me just ask you something here because, uh, you know, we don't know, is this a part of the last days? I was preaching the last days. I, went, I started looking back last January. I started preaching my series on the last days began last January before we ever knew what COVID was. And, um, but it, it seemed awfully timely as we moved on because what is COVID? Why, why is COVID here? I, I know all the scientific answers. Okay. But we also know that nothing occurs that God is not in control of. Hello? So here's a question I want to start with tonight. Why would God allow COVID? Have y'all, you've thought about it, haven't you? Somebody tell me, why do you think God would allow COVID? So, um, okay, to teach us. All right. What? Who said that? Wake up call? Yeah. A wake up call. Those two are pretty close. A wake up call. I think that's possible that it is. Well, look, I think anything that, that creates trauma in our life is an opportunity for us to wake up. Hello? But sometimes it's really, really powerful. Somebody else said something. Uh, you know, there, there are those out there saying that God is doing this to reduce the, the population. I'm not one of them, but, and there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of, uh, social engineers who are saying that it was created in China as a means to subtly reduce world population. Um, What else? Any other uh, thoughts that you might have that uh, why God would allow this? Some say it's a cleansing of the church. Okay, uh, Charles, a, a, a purging. A purging, right? It, I think it's very possible. Um, what else? What do you mean by that, Lance? Would that, be the, would that be the same as to, to adjust our priorities? All right. Anybody else? That's good. That's good stuff. Uh, it's a time of testing. You know, um, God is trying to draw us closer to him, or he's trying to determine if where we're going spiritually. Yeah. Anything else that you'd add to the list? Um, I'd add one. I'd say prepare, preparing us. Now, what would he be preparing us for since I added that to the list? What? Difficulties, preparing us to navigate difficulties. Um, we certainly eschatologically believe that it's going to get worse as we get closer to the end of the age, right? So is this a mini training course? Possibly. What else might he be preparing us for? 
preparing us to understand the fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah, how, how he does that. Yeah, I think that's possible too. Anything else? Preparing us. I, I, agree, I agree fully. I'd put that under this, though, that he is teaching us that he's Lord. That uh, he's using it to teach us who, who really is Lord. Uh, and... Um, Well, here's what the world proves. Here's what a pandemic proves to us. It proves that we're not in control. Right? I mean, this is, this is shaking a nation. It's shaking a globe. Uh, regardless of where it came from, whether it was leaked from a lab on purpose or whether it, it just it got out through animals now, the World Health Organization is saying, who cares in that sense where it came from now? It's here. Right? And is it, it, it's possible that it is um, God saying, I'm just going to remind you one more time that, that you're not in control. You know, um, Anything else that he might be uh, using it to prepare us for? Nobody said what I'm looking for. Obviously, I'm baiting you. Anybody else? Okay. Y'all give? Y'all want to play hangman and give me a letter and we'll so, listen. I, I think all of those uh, what you said is true. I, that's a good list. I think God could be preparing us for revival. I think God could be preparing the church for revival. You know, we've seen a lot of folks who, you know, we've thinned around. We don't measure. Our spirituality as, a, as an institution as of God uh, right now by numbers, right? We measure by what God is doing, the work God is doing, and the sensitivity that we have. Whether we attend personally or whether we watch by live stream, what is God doing in our lives? And I will tell you this, I think more people have their ear toward God than in a long time. I told uh, somebody yesterday, I said, you know what? Before we get all down in the dumps about all of this and it's long term, we may, within the months to come, look back and say, I don't want to ever go through that again. But wow, look what God did as a result of that. I think it's very possible that, that God may be preparing the church for a revival. He may be purging the church so he can revive the church. And I, I don't know that. God hasn't told me that, but it's possible. Back at the turn of the 20th century, 1906, there was a mega uh, earthquake in San Francisco. If you know anything about your history, that and it literally burned 80% of San Francisco to the ground. 3,000 people died. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was devastating. Uh, it opened up the fissure, you know, the San Andreas Fault, even more so all the way down to Los Angeles. It, it rocked, it rocked California and many other places because of it, but in particular. But did you know there was another kind of shaking going on? Nine days before that happened, there was an African-American preacher down in Los Angeles and he was preaching in a house 
And the Spirit of God moved through him in such a way that people started getting saved in that house. They, then they started getting excited. They got together and started worshiping in this house. And they all got out on the front porch and they were, they were so excited about what God was doing. They were jumping up and down and worshiping. They broke the porch. The porch collapsed on, on everything. And they finally realized more and more people were being attracted and more and more people were being attracted. So they found another uh, little place. I think it was a warehouse and uh, they moved it there to a place called Azusa Street. And from there, a revival that lasted over 15 years and spread across the country with literally tens of thousands of people's lives being changed because of that. And it changed for a while, as revivals, genuine revivals do, it changed and affected our entire nation. And maybe you've heard of it, the Azusa Street uh, uh, Revival. Well, so there was many, I tell you that to say, there are many who attribute the earthquake that destroyed San Francisco as preparing the people for the work that God wanted to do through the revival. Does that make sense? And now, by the way, it got out of hand in a lot of ways uh, uh, over time. But God used it powerfully. Uh, across the country, and then it would uh, there would be similar things that began to kind of domino around the country in North Carolina, uh, and then a couple of other places. So I just uh, you know uh, I just want to encourage you with that because we're it's easy to get discouraged by what we see, right? But to remember, if God is in control, God may be preparing the church for another move, a, a, a revival. And, you know, if God moves and, you know, we've seen things in our church in the last year that we, we just, all we can do is say, that's God. It's what God is doing. It's all, you know, you can't say, well, it's because we're sharp enough to stay ahead of the curve. We're not. And, and so God has been working. Now, I think God may, I think he may just be preparing us for a move. It may, it may be different than anything we've experienced, um, but a move uh, that both purges and purifies his church. And that, I say, to lead into what I want to talk about uh, tonight, and that is the last days as we continue that, because... It would be just like God to produce a great revival and give the city of Nineveh one more shot. Hello? That'd be, that'd be consistent with, with God. You know, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, and by the way, open your Bibles up to Jeremiah 19. In the book of Jeremiah, I, I spent a year in Jeremiah. Last year, I spent the entire year in the book of Jeremiah. And uh, in, in the book of Jeremiah... Um, God continued, before the Babylonians overtook the Israelites, God was continually warning the, the Israelites and telling them, if, you will, if you'll recognize me if you'll rec and turn, then I will restore you and I will move upon you. They didn't, but it doesn't mean they couldn't. And that's a big difference. The, the wonderful thing about God is 
he is an ultimate gentleman, spiritually speaking. He won't force you to do anything. But if you'll listen, he will move in a way that only he can move. And by listen, I mean obey, obey him, respond to him. So we've been talking about where America is. We've been talking about Mystery Babylon and, and uh, is America Mystery Babylon? In particular, is New York City Mystery Babylon? Well, we don't know for sure where Mystery Babylon is, and I'm not going to go back through the 15 or so clues I gave you. It sounds a whole lot like America, doesn't it? And it sounds a whole lot like New York City to me or some, the combination of the two. But we talked about the clues, Liam. But the Bible says that before the end, before the return of Christ uh, at Armageddon, that, that Mystery Babylon will be destroyed. Uh, uh, Mystery Babylon will be a, a tool and um, an influencer in, in a mega level. But eventually even the Antichrist and this Mystery Babylon will, will be at odds with each other. And Mystery Babylon will lose. But what is it? You know, God has used through the ages, he has used pagans to bring judgment and discipline. Uh, in fact, Jeremiah is really a book about how God used the Babylonians to, to, to bring judgment upon Israel, take them from their homeland into captivity. And here's the interesting thing. People say, well, that just doesn't seem right, God using somebody that doesn't even know him to bring correction to his people. But here's the thing. God says, I'm going to use them. They don't even know they're being used. I'm going to use them because he's in control, right? So I'm going to use them to exercise judgment against an idolatrous people, my people. And then after I've done that, I'll come back and deal with Babylon. She's not going to get off the hook. I'll bring judgment on her. Well, that's the same uh, expression prophetically in the last days, that God will use pagan, uh, uh, perhaps even pagan empires to bring judgment upon uh, the world and by extension upon believers, right? We are in the world. We may not be of the world, but when the world suffers, guess what? That's why Christians suffer too. Sometimes as an act of grace, God will prevent his people from experiencing a, uh, uh, some expression of, of disease or sickness. But you know, there are a lot of Christians that have died from COVID, aren't there? Now, God could have stopped it. I, you know, I, I hope I don't ever get it again. I hope I've got enough immunity in me and that I, I don't get it again. I, I, don't, I don't want it again. But I told our deacons... Before I ever got it, before I even knew I had it, I said, look, I could get it. And I said, if I do, and if God takes me home with it, do not let it rock your faith. Because the Bible says that all the days of your life were written in his book before there was ever one of them. Do you understand the magnitude of that message? So... Now listen, I'm not minimizing it. I've had it, so don't think I'm minimizing it. But here's what I know. The days of my life were written down in his book before I ever had one single day. So God may take, <laughs> take you out by COVID, or look, he may allow cancer to ravage your body, and he may, uh, just, you may just lay down one night, close your eyes, and not wake up. 
or he may return. We may live and see his return. Wouldn't surprise me. So, but the fact is, that's why we walk by faith, isn't it? So, so historically, God has allowed pagan nations to exercise what we would call an expression of judgment or, or maybe even wrath. Now, I will say this, and this is my, I believe, studied opinion, that Christians in the tribulation will not undergo the wrath of God, though the wrath of God will be expressed. However, they will undergo the wrath of the Antichrist. Do you all see the difference? The wrath of the Antichrist, the Bible tells us that he's going to kill. They're going to be the blood of the saints martyred in the tribulation time. And um, they'll be calling out for justice. Justice, God, when? How long? How long? There will be Christians that will be murdered and persecuted. And we can, look, more than ever before in our lifetime, we get a little bit of a glimpse of that right now with the turning of the cultural tide with a kind of a hostility toward Christianity. And that's going to get worse. It's just, it is going to, I thought about writing an article to say, what should you anticipate culturally in the next 10 years? And I think that's being generous. And I might do that at some time. But there's some things that we shouldn't be surprised by that we don't want that are most likely coming. I'll talk about some of those if I ever get to the text that I'm going to use. But, but for us, uh, we, we need to understand that um, that God has not appointed us to wrath. Babylon was not the wrath of God poured out on his people. Babylon was discipline for disobedience. Wrath is when God says, I have had enough. And in fact, do you know... Um, uh, the wrath is an expression of fierce kind of judgment. It's not hate. It is just a fierce kind of judgment. Discipline is an act of love. There, there is a difference. That's why in the tribulation, the wrath of God is going to be poured out through the, the uh, vials and the bowls and the trumpets. If you're familiar with those, we talked about them when we studied Revelation some years ago. So it'll be poured out. But the Christian will not experience the wrath of God. In my view, he will experience, however, the wrath of the Antichrist because he lives in the world and under the domain that God has allowed, uh, the domain of Satan, this world is his domain. Y'all do know that, don't you? Paul makes that clear in Ephesians 6 and the scripture teaches that. But he is still under the restraint of God. But there will be a period of time where he will have a greater kind of unrestrained uh, a power over this domain that he has been allowed to operate in. And with that will come a suffering. Now, we have glimpses of that all through history uh, where Christians died. And by the way, are dying tonight. Did you know that there are Christians dying for their faith tonight while we sit here? And so we've seen that. Uh, will it happen in America? That I don't know. There are some who would. Who would? There are some who would move with that kind of uh, hatred against uh, Christians who view Christians as enemies. So, what will bring about? Let's say America is mystery Babylon. Let's go with that premise, which I believe it is. But um, uh, 
Uh, there are others who differ. But what will bring about the destruction of Mystery Babylon? Well, let's talk about that. By the way, Tom, listen to this quote from Thomas Jefferson. He said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Thomas Jefferson, by the way, a deist. Indeed, he says, and this is a quote, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Wow. That's back in the 18th century. So it tells you that even back then they looked and said, we've forgotten who God is. Now, I can't imagine what Thomas Jefferson might say or George Washington might say if they looked at our nation today in terms of, of that uh, abandoning God and, and uh, the denial, the blatant denial uh, of God. But that's what Jefferson himself said. He said, I, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. We all believe that, don't we? We, we all believe that. So, so here's the question. What would bring about the destruction of this mystery Babylon? Well, first, Jeremiah 19, 1 through 5 is what I want to point you to. And I would just simply say it this way, the shedding of innocent blood. Look at uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, go buy a potter's earthenware flask. Take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnon at the entry to the potsherd gate. And proclaim there the words that I tell you. So this is what Jeremiah the instructs. He's told to get a get a, a clay pot and he's to go to this this particular gate uh, near the Valley of Hinnon, which, by the way, if you go to Jerusalem and uh, we're going, we're planning on it next December. I've got a good crowd still signed up. We're going to try to go next December. Uh, we hope all this stuff will be settled down, and uh, we're going to go. And I'll take you to the Valley of Hinnon. Uh, or Gehenna. It's just outside to, of today's wall that you see around Jerusalem. It's just right down uh, here uh, below the city of David. And it was, a, it was a field that was used to burn uh, refuge in. And so it was always, there was always fire in there. And it's, it is the valley that Jesus refers to as a comparison to hell where the, uh, the worm never dies. It's trash, full of trash, and the fire never goes out. That's what Jesus used. Well, so he says, go and stand at this gate above that, the valley of Hinnon, and he said, uh, uh, and then say to them, say what I tell you there. You shall say, and here's what God tells him, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle because the people have forsaken me and have uh, profane this place by making offerings, listen to this, uh, by making offerings in it to other gods whom neither they nor their fathers nor the, the uh, kings of Judah have known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of innocence and have built the high places of Baal, listen to this now, y'all listen, y'all listening? And have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it ever come to my mind. Therefore, because of that, 
Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Topheth or the valley of the son of Hinnon, but the valley of slaughter. Now, God said this to Israel. He said, look, I'm going to bring something uh, 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 horrible upon you, disaster upon you. And do you know what the primary reason was? It was because their paganism or their secularism or their distance from God had caused them to worship the popular God of the age, which was Baal, and then to take their children and offer their children upon the altar of Baal or Molech. And you, this is throughout the Old Testament. And Molech, you can look it up if you want, uh, was a, was a kind of half-human, half-dog-looking uh, god. And what they would do is they were, uh, sometimes it was uh, Molech's belly was hollowed out. And in that they would, they would build fires and they would burn and they would keep it uh, blazing hot and it would heat up the arms of Molech. And they would bring their children and lay them on those hot arms and literally burn them alive as an offering to God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine doing that, taking an innocent little child and laying it there on the arms of this pagan God, thinking you're doing something spiritually noble? I can't even imagine. And in particular, I'm thinking, every time I see little Bodhi, I, man, I, I'm praying for him, and, you know, he, he had a little cold this weekend. And so on the way home from church, my daughter sent me a video. They sat in their family room because they couldn't take him, and they've been going back to church, and they couldn't take him because of the sniffles and all of that kind of thing. He didn't have COVID or anything. He just had a cold. But so they watched us. And... Uh, when he sees his pop, and y'all were so kind to us Sunday and affirmed us, and Allison and I are standing up there, and he's watching Allison and I on the, on the stage, and she sent me a video. He's going, Pops, Pops and Yaya. And he's seeing us up there. Now, he tries to figure out how we can be up there and not be with where he is. But he's going, Pops, Pops and Yaya. And then he makes this statement, I tell you, man, I just, when I watch it, man, I get emotional. He said, he turns to his daddy and he says, I love Pops and Yaya. I love Pops. He says it three times. I love Pops and Yaya. I love Pops. And then he says, Pops and Yaya are fun. That's the way grandparents are supposed to be, right? Loved and fun. And I told my daughter later, when I talked to her, I said, you go get him whatever he wants, you know. <laughs> But listen, I say that to say you've got children or grandchildren and everything. You know what I'm talking about. Can you imagine somebody taking that precious child and laying it on the red-hot arms of some pagan god and saying, here, here you fake god, here's my child, take it. And then that child screaming and crying and had, had trusted its father, mother, and yet it's dying there, burning before their eyes, the flesh sizzling. God said, for that reason, I'm going to bring a disaster on them. Now, people, 
I think one of the reasons that we might see the judgment of God, why Mystery Babylon in the end gets taken down primarily is because for, for 40, 50 years, we have offered 63 million infants to the God of the ideas of this world. Now, I want to tell you something. Because people sometimes say, well, y'all are so against abortion. Yes, we are. But we're not against people that have had abortions. We're, look, I'm for them. I'm for them. A mistake made. Okay, all of us have made mistakes that are all heinous to God. So be careful that you don't say, well, if a person had abortion there. No, 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 no. That's not even the point. But the point is a culture that would propagate that. And by the way, a current administration that with a swipe of a pen re-enabled abortion on a scale unheard of in American history. Executive order. One of the first orders he signed. Now, guys, that ought to terrify us, that we're just saying the little ones. Now you know why Jesus said something. Jesus said, by the way, love the person, love on the person. Never condemn the person that has walked down that road, okay? Look, our goal is redemption. And the church's role, we're not a, a hotel for saints. We're a hospital for sinners, all right? So don't ever let somebody tell you, well, you don't care about people. Yeah, Oh, yes, we do. We do. But we care about the unborn child, you know, because God, my, my daughter, she got that little one in her belly coming in April, another grandson. How fun is that going to be? And I asked her, I said, can I, can, I, can I pray? Do you mind, sweetheart, if I put my hands on the womb and pray? She said, oh, no, Daddy, please. Feel that little guy kicking Man, Jesus said, let the little ones come because of such is the kingdom of God. I don't have time for that. It's time for us to go. And, but then he said this, whoever would offend one of these little ones, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around their neck and then taken out and dropped in the deepest part of the ocean. You think Jesus thinks those little ones are important? i got to close. But let me say, say this. The leading cause of death in America over the past 40 years, abortion. Not cancer. You know, it's not COVID. It is abortion. Over 63 million. Look. You don't have to believe that America is the daughter of Babylon to understand that God is going to keep his word and demand an accounting for the blood of millions of innocent children through abortion. And by the way, as I've told you, Mystery Babylon is very influential, right? What happens in America usually trickles down to the other nations. Have y'all watched that? What happens here usually becomes accepted and accepted and accepted. Now, again, for those who are watching and for those who are sitting here, I want you to hear me say something. Um, If you're one of those, and there are more than we would would know, who have walked down that road and, and, 
this is not to induce, I would never put guilt on you about it. I, I really wouldn't because I, uh, that's not my role. Uh, but I want you to know that in Christ you are new. In Christ you are new. And so allow the grace of Christ to wash away any kind of what I believe the devil, you know, a woman will have an abortion and you know what the devil will do? She'll, she'll come to Christ and then the devil will say, you couldn't be forgiven for that. Yes, you can. That's what grace is all about. And that's our message. Grace trumps sin. Period. And we focus on that only because I believe it is, it is representative of so much of what is wrong in our culture. But we also focus on the grace of God and the forgiveness. Amen? Thank God for His grace and His forgiveness. Because, by the way, you say, well, I've never had an abortion. Good for you. But you've done enough other things to put Christ on the cross. So don't give yourself a pass. <laughs> don't walk out thinking, well, I've never... Look, one sin made you a sinner. And one sin put Jesus on the cross. Thank God Almighty. One sin put Jesus on the cross. Or we're hopeless people. You may think you're the, the best thing that's come along in years, but I want to tell you something. All of our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy as rags. Apart from Jesus Christ, there's no hope for any of us. And so that's why our role isn't to bring condemnation. Our role is to bring redemption in Jesus Christ. So we love you. If that's you, if you're watching and that's you, we love you. This isn't to condemn you. But it is to say that one day um, uh, God is going to express his wrath like he has in the past. He's going to express his wrath uh, for the shedding of innocent blood. And by the way, abortion is not the only way you can shed innocent blood. Hello, Hitler. I, I mean, there, you, you know, go Nero who lit Christians in his garden and burned them up, used them as candles. There's a lot of innocent blood, and all of that, uh, all of that, there will be an accounting for it. So, well, I got through one, got through one thing, and the next week we'll pick up. I've got several more sessions to go uh, before we're done, and when we are finally done, I will go back to doing our book overviews that we've done, but we've got a few more sessions here to go. So I'll pick back up next week talking about um, what would it be or what might be the biblical reason that Mystery Babylon will eventually uh, be destroyed, okay? And then I'll talk about how, how it will be destroyed. We'll look at some scriptures there too. Y'all have any questions? Everything good? All right, does that make sense tonight, what we've talked about? All right. Uh, remember, it, well, is there anybody here and you've never trusted Christ? He loves you. He loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, he, he, he loves you. Anybody here say, I need Christ as my Savior. By the way, if you're watching online, say, I do. You text the word uh, pastor to 334-384-8080. 334 384-8080. Just text the word pastor. Or maybe you want to join Ridgecrest. Anybody here want to join Ridgecrest tonight? Maybe you want to join. Text that word, join, to that 
number, and we'll take it uh, from there. Do y'all know the number now by heart? I've said it so many times. Can y'all say it by heart? Say it with me. The number is three, three, four, three, four, eight, zero, eight, zero. Yeah, pretty good. I may just call on y'all next Sunday and say, hey, tell them what number to call. All right.